Uh, I appreciate what Paula shared. Um, it's a good, uh, good kind of a segue into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, the culture of sharing the good news. Uh, start out and share a couple things with you that are really interesting that should grab your heart. Um, let's start out with prayer first. We always, it's always good to start out with praying. Lord, we just come to you and we, we submit our hearts to you, Lord, and we, we open ourselves up and we cast off all distractions that uh, the seeds of truth that come today would be planted in the fertile soil of our hearts, Lord, and they would be watered and they would spring up to life. And calls, call us to action, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Take a deep breath. Very good. Uh, in 1934, a 15-year-old country boy who was opposed to evangelism and who, was, who outspokenly detested going to church was persuaded by a friend to attend a revival meeting. And when he went to that revival meeting, he said that the Spirit of God began to speak to him. And so he went back night after night. And then one night there was a call. There was an altar call to accept Jesus. And he stepped up and he said, Lord, I'm going. And he knew he was headed in a new direction. That young man would go on to preach the gospel to over 215 million people in over 185 different countries. He prayed with every president from Harry S. Truman through Barack Obama. If you can think about who that might be, it's Billy Graham. Yes, he was the result of evangelism. Yes, and he was definitely a great evangelist of our time. If you can hear my voice at this moment, it's because someone invited you here. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it's because someone shared the good news of Christ with you. Romans 10, starting in verse 8, if you can go ahead and put that up on the screen, please. The message is very close at hand. Or, let me start over, sorry. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord, who gives generously to all who call on Him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they be... Sorry. But how can they call on Him to save unless they believe in Him. And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? Tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
And that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Praise God for that, right? Praise God. Um, I had an interesting revelation through a movie that I watched. Um, I'll just start like this. How, how do you get people interested in classical music? Yeah, good luck, right? With the music of today, classical music appears to be nowhere to be found, right? In 1995, Richard Dreyfuss starred in a movie called Mr. Holland's Opus. Has anybody seen it? Anyone? A few people? Over and over. Over and over. Very good movie. Um, yeah, I'm probably dating myself by saying that, but yeah, you know. I just turned 49 yesterday. <laughs> 49 years young, that's great. I don't, I don't feel like I'm that old. Um, Mr. Holland's a high school music teacher. Um, man, I feel really hot, sorry. He loves Beethoven and Bach, Mozart. For Mr. Holland, music is about heart. It's about feelings. It's about moving people, something beautiful. And it's not about notes on a page. But how do you communicate that to a bunch of rambunctious teenagers who don't who have about as much attention for Bach as they do for their chores, right? I want to go ahead and show you a little video clip right now. So I showed that video clip um, because I think it's important that we understand um, what needs to happen uh, with sharing the good news. So if you noticed, um, Mr. Holland, he brought the music to the kids through something that they were familiar with, through something that was connecting with them in their day and age, in their generation. But he brought the classic structure of the older music and showed how it was connected with the music of the time. Bach became relevant at that point to them and they could connect because it related to music they were familiar with hearing that they liked to listen to, their rock and roll, right? When people hear Christianity, they can become a bit like Mr. Holland's students. Ah. Sorry about that. This testy thing. There, there we are. <laughs> they were bored. People's eyes glaze over and they go blank sometimes when they hear about Christianity. They're bored by it, they might say. I'm not interested in a faith that has nothing to, that is nothing more than an ancient relic of a bygone era. Or I'm not interested in a faith or I'm interested in a faith that which is a dynamic force in my era. I'm not interested in a faith that speaks to the questions of yesterday. I'm interested in a faith that speaks to the questions I face today. I'm not interested in a faith that dredges up through the issues of the past. I'm interested in a faith that engages with the issues of today. You know, when we meet this 
It can be very challenging. But the incredible thing about the Christian faith is that it can be like Bach was for Mr. Holland's students. It's a song that can be played anew in every era. A melody line that repeats through history, but played using the instruments of our time. With a beat we can dance to. And the task of the church is to take this ancient song and play it in such a way that it connects with the next generation. The mood of our time and the issues of our time and ultimately connects them with Jesus. Amen? I want to share a vision statement with you. This is the vision statement of evangelism for New Covenant. To create a culture of evangelism at New Covenant in order to affect the next generation in our community. To plant, seed, and water as God brings the increase, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? Our goal of the evangelism team is to equip our church family to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, raising up the next generation and taking every opportunity to share the gospel to all people, person to person, engaging in community and church-sponsored events and street evangelism. So I want to define evangelism. It's simply sharing the good news of how Christ has set us free and invited us to follow him through the sharing of our testimony. That's simply the nuts and bolts of sharing. When we share the good news, when sharing the good news is unfamiliar and not something we know how to engage in, it can be intimidating. Would you agree? Many people hear the word evangelism, believe it involves talking to complete strangers in public spaces, like, ah, no, I can't talk to strange people. It's, it's true, it's true. We kind of seize up and get bound by fear and, you know, and allow, allow fear and rejection to kind of get in there and it can uh, take us astray from doing what we need to do. Um, but God's got a plan. This is only part of evangelism that some are called to. To set the record straight, we are to reach the lost for Christ. The lost are anyone who has not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Our responsibility in this process is only to share the good news. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to bring the conviction on their life that leads them to the threshold of that eternity-changing decision. Amen? The invitation is from the Lord, and He uses His people. So you may be asking yourself, since I'm called to the Great Commission, do we believe we're all called to the Great Commission? Yes. How can I honor Christ in sharing the good news? First, we must understand what style of evangelism relates to us. So I would like to invite Rob Simmons up because he has some incredible, interesting evangelism styles to share with you. First of all, I talked to, uh, I was talking to Tom last night, and I was telling him, you know, Jesus, he always wanted to be relational, right, with, with people. And I think one of the things that he did to be relational was that whenever he 
Well, a lot of times when he shared with people, he he sat down. Tom said, show me scriptures. I, w- I need three. <laughs> so I gave him six, didn't I, Tom? Where's Tom? Six. All right. Jesus sat when he shared with his friends. So makes me more fun to preach. You can't see me. That's okay. I don't want you to look at me anyway. All right. I'm going to give my testimony here in a, in a couple of minutes. But uh, the first thing, you've got inserts uh, in your bulletins. And Alex, if you didn't get one, didn't get a bulletin, didn't get an insert, Alex is going to help me raise your hand up, and Alex has got some extras. He's going he's gonna to pass those up, because I want you to follow along with me um, as I go through these. So the first thing I want you to know is just th- is that evangelism plays a vital role in everybody that comes to the Lord. I mean, you can't come to the Lord without somebody sharing the gospel with you or having heard about it from somebody or somewhere. Um, and we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, right? You might not be called to be an evangelist, but we're all called... If you're a Christian, you're called to do the work of an evangelist. So uh, inserting you in your bulletins are six evangelistic styles that I've, I've shared this with our connect groups in the past. And I'm just going to go through this real quick. I want to go through this, uh, and I'm just going to pretty much read it. I've got an abbreviated version that I'm going to read as we go through this. So, so pull that out and pull, follow along. The first style of evangelism is called servant evangelism. It's also called lifestyle evangelism. A lot of people call it that. And some Christians, uh, they prefer to be examples of Christ through service. And you love to help other people, often privately, uh, and, and you'd rather demonstrate acts of kindness rather than see people talk about it all the time, all right? That's a servant evangelist, all right? Servant evangelism. The second kind, oh, and, and also I've, I'm going to go through the first, there's a verse, a couple of verses on each one of these. I'm just going to go through the first one for each that proves this out. Matthew 5:16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The second, uh, second style of evangelism is called testimonial evangelism. And uh, so maybe you're a Christian who is conversational. You like to speak out of your own personal background and you're passionate about your own experience of how you came to know the Lord. Well, maybe you're a testimonial evangelist. You don't even know it. First uh, John 1 3 says we, pro- we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ now this is exactly what Tom was talking about last week we need to be given our testimonies testimonies is the one of the most powerful ways of evangelism that we have uh, just by sharing your personal testimony wh- whether it's salvation or or something God's done today for you you share that and let people know. And that's that's powerful evangelism. So that's testimonial. The third one is confrontational evangelism. This is one uh, that Chris mentioned here. This is maybe you're somebody that likes to confront people's fears and, uh, and their objections directly when you share the gospel. Uh, maybe you're comfortable sharing your faith with or, or praying with total strangers. Maybe going on the street, doing, doing some of the things we talk about uh, when we go out on those treasure hunts and things like that. That's confrontational evangelism. And and that's a, it's a scriptural thing. First Peter three fifteen says, uh, oh actually I'm ahead of myself. Second uh, Timothy four two says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out, correct, rebuke, and encourage, with great patience, and careful instruction. So that's confrontation. The next one is intellectual evangelism. Also, some people call this apologetics. Uh, this is something that I love um, uh, because it takes a lot, it's study. Uh, in, in, in actually proving out that, that, uh, that Christ is exactly who he said he was. Uh, do, you, uh, do you have an intellectual viewpoint? You're more interested in what people think 
or how they th rather than how they feel. Uh, or you like to share apologetics and debate ideas. Well, both Paul and Peter were, 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 were people who liked to use logic to share the gospel. Uh, 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to every, everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Uh, but do this with gentleness and respect. Intellectual evangelism, apologetics. Uh, the next one, number five, is friendship evangelism. Some people also call this relational or relationship evangelism. Um, a lot of people like this one. Uh, maybe you're somebody who like you like to uh, you get to know people before you share your faith with them. Uh, develop a relationship with them. Get to know them, uh, and then and then you can share your faith. If you like to develop a close friend friendship first and then share your testimony, you're probably this style of evangelist. An example of that is in First Corinthians nine twenty two. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Right? It's all about relating to people. It's not about compromise, right? It's not about compromising your faith, but relating to people. And, and then you're a lot more effective in sharing your faith. And the last one is called invitational evangelism. And in some ways, this is this is the easiest of all of them, especially for new Christians, but it's also the most powerful, I think, one of the most powerful. Uh, some Christians are more comfortable inviting friends and others to church for group activities. Uh, both the Samaritan woman at the well and Matthew were examples of people who invited people to meet Christ. Uh, in Luke 14, 23, it says, uh, then, then the master told a servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to meet I'm going to put on my glasses. <laughs> I'm, fif I'm 57. Did you know? I deserve to wear these. All right. All right. Then the master told his servant, go out. Oh, that's a lot better. Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And then the woman at the well, she's the one that invited everyone to come and see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Could this be the Christ? Invitational evangelism. Now, as, uh, as Chris uh, mentioned, uh, in it's in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says that one plants the seed and one waters, but God brings the increase, right? So we don't have to worry about, you know, what am I going to say? You know, what if I goof up or whatever? Um, what if they don't get saved? <laughs> All right? That's God's job. Our job is to plant the seeds and to water, to love them, right? Exactly. Now, what I want to show you now is, is my testimony because – it took, actually, it took all six of these things to bring me to Christ. And I just want to share how each one of those six related into what happened to, happened to me. Um, what was the first one? What's the first style of evangelism? Servant. servant. Yeah. The servant evangelism in my life was my mom. Still is. My mom's here. My brother Nick. Want to wave your hands? Yeah. Uh, I... Uh, I grew up here in Newcastle. I was a class of 79 graduate, and I was, I was the kid that every mama would hope for. <laughs> Is that right? Am I right? I was your favorite son, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah, Nick, my brother's standing there with her. Um, yeah, mom and dad, they raised me right. I, I got straight A's. You know, I didn't drink or cuss or smoke or hang around with anybody else that did. I was, I was the great kid, and as far as religion went, it was like, why wouldn't God take me? I'm, I've got it, I've, I'm doing everything right, 
right? I wasn't too worried about things. Um, so I didn't figure God was going to let me to go to hell. But mom, she had one regret, and that was I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That was her regret. But she prayed for me all the time. And she was the best example of being a servant evangelist of anybody I've ever met. Still is to this day. Always putting other people first. <laughs> Nick, don't cry. <laughs> You're getting me. <laughs> um, Nick, can, Nick can promise, or he can, he can relate to that. Mom is, uh, when, when we've got a dinner, she don't sit down until she's asked everybody six times what else, what else they need. She already sits down. That's my mom. All right. So um, I, through all that, though, I didn't get saved. So mom also brought us to church, um, and that's where I met the testimonial evangelist in my life, and that was Mike Warner. A lot of people know Mike Warner from the um, Foursquare Church. Well, not a lot of people knew that back in the 70s, he was the youth pastor at the Methodist Church where we went. Mom would bring us to church. I got involved in the youth group at the, at the Methodist, uh, Methodist Church, and Mike was the most passionate guy I ever knew. He was always laughing and, and telling stories about Jesus and what God had done. He was testifying all the time, whether God did something years ago or, or if I saw him in the street or at church or wherever, he'd come up to me and laughing and, and telling the story about something God did today. He was always testifying. Tom, did you know, did you know Mike? passed away a couple years ago. You'd have loved him. Testimonies. All right? I lost my screen. Okay. Um, but I didn't get saved. All that, I mean, I was really drawn. I loved the guy, but I didn't get saved. Then I was off to Ball State where I found something that uh, changed my life. Anybody know what it would be? Life? No. no. Partying. Yes. Yes. Uh, Mugley's Bar. Yeah. I discovered uh, partying, and it's specifically beer and girls, okay, and usually <laughs> in that order. Uh, but I joined a fraternity. <laughs> Had to be, right? I was a shy guy. Um, so I joined a fraternity where it seemed like the, the, the beer and the girls were in unlimited supply, all right? So and I was like, life became a party for me at Ball State. I mean, it, sorry, Mom. <laughs> so, life became a party. Alpha Tau Omega Fraternity. Who we got some Alpha Tau Omega Fraternity guys here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lambda guy, all right. Um, all right, so that was it. Summers between college, though, I was back here in Newcastle. And this is back in the late 70s, early 80s. And who remembers the car marathons from the 80s, from the 70s and 80s? Well, I used to do all those car marathons. Every summer, we'd come back and we'd do the, we'd do the Newcastle car marathon. In 1981, I won a brand-new sports car. Mercury LN7. It was awesome. I actually tied with Jim Berger. Yeah, Alex knows Jim. And, uh, and uh, um, life was great. I just, anybody that didn't know, what you do at the car marathons where you, is you get 40 people around two cars, brand new sports cars usually, and you put your hands on the car and your feet on the ground, and whoever lasts the longest wins the car. <laughs> and so we did that. It went about seven years before it finally died out in, I think, 1984. But um, anyway, I was... About a year after the after the marathon, I was driving the sports car back from a party filled with beer, beer and girls, and it was down in Strawn, and we were coming back on, this is where the policeman has to uh, turn the other way. Right. <laughs> we, uh, we were coming back, I was doing about 80 miles an hour on 103 coming back into town and, and showing off because of the girls, and uh, um, there's a curve on 103, one, <laughs> that's all it took. 
And I went 80 miles an hour. I went off of that curve, landed in a bean field about 50 feet later, and still going 80 miles an hour. The car flipped over three times. The first, and this is a sports car. It's got two seats, but we had three people, right? One girl was like, comes from the back under, under the glass roof. The roo- it had a glass roof. And uh, the first flip, this is the LN7, the first flip broke out all the glass in the car. The windshield, the uh, side windows, the, the moonroof, the sunroof, everything was, it was gone. The second flip threw the girl who was in the back, threw her out through the roof. And the third flip uh, bounced the car over her, landing on its wheels about this, this far from her. And uh, the miracle, the miracle <laughs> was that nobody was hurt. Not a scratch. The girl who went through the, not one scratch. I knew at that minute that God had saved our lives for a purpose, right? Saved our lives for a purpose. Um, guess what? I didn't get saved. <laughs> Can you believe it? I, I, I still didn't get saved. Um, but, in fact, okay, here's the next part. The, con- the confrontational evangelist, that's the next. That was a Gideon. And about a year later, I've completely forgotten how God saved our lives. I mean, can you believe it? I've completely forgotten. I mean, when he, I was drinking more than ever. I was living in the fraternity house now uh, because it was easier. I was, you know, where the action was. And um, one day I was coming back from class, and I was confronted by a Gideon. You all know a Gideon? They pass out the Bibles like, like, like this. All right. Well, he confronted me, shared the gospel with me, literally. Uh, shared the gospel with me, and he gave me uh, this little green Bible. And I kept it all these years. But the first two minutes, I almost didn't ever have it because I was thinking, the first, my first thought was, I don't have time for this. You know, I'm studying all the time, you know. <laughs> so my first thought was, I'm a, there's the trash can. I'm going to throw it away. You know, I don't, just don't have time for it. But my second thought was, you know, I think there's a verse in there somewhere that says if you throw away the Gideon Bible, you're going to go to hell <laughs> before nightfall. <laughs> So I took, I took the Bible, and I, I went back to my fraternity house room, and I put it on the shelf very gently. You know, I didn't want to upset God. Obviously, obviously, I didn't get saved that day. Right? But next came Scott. Scott was a good friend of mine. He was probably the only outspoken Christian in our whole fraternity. And he was always sharing the apologetics. You know? uh, so he was, he was the intellectual and the friendship evangelist in my life. Uh, he was always talking about, he was always proving God. I mean, I love this guy. I was drawn to the stuff that he was talking about because he would show, he would show me from, from history how God was real and that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. He would talk about things like, um, you know, evolution versus creation. And he would prove, you know, he would show me. He actually, one day he, he and I kept it, the big daddy, the chick tracks. He would pass out these chick tracks to the guys in the fraternity and this big daddy's one about the lies of evolution and, you know, you know, God's creation. And I never even thought about that stuff before, but I was fascinated by it. <coughs> and this, this, uh, this track went around to like 20 guys that afternoon. We were all drinking beers and just reading this thing and talking about it. You know, is that real? <laughs> you know, it's, it's great. I mean, we didn't come from monkeys. I can't believe it. And <laughs> so it was awesome. And I was the last guy to, to, I got it back, and so I kept it all these years. That was like 40 years, 35 years ago, I think, uh, 1984. 
So um, all that. Guess what? I didn't get saved. Finally, we're up to our sixth evangelist now, the uh, invitational evangelist. That was Steve Meyer. Uh, Steve Meyer, he, uh, this is about a month before I graduated from Ball State. He was, um, he had he graduated a couple years before me, and he was like a movie guy. And so he was out in Hollywood making movies and stuff, and where he got saved. And God told him to come back to Muncie, Indiana, to share with all the, the worst alcoholics in his fraternity. <laughs> or not, he wasn't in the fraternity at, at Ball State, all his old buddies. And so I was number two on his list. And he, uh, he tracked me down at Mugley's Bar, and he uh, started sharing with me. He told me he'd become a Christian, and he invited me to church. And I thought, well, you know. But he was a friend. And because of our friendship, I went. And um, anyway, so uh, I loved the service. It was great. And I've been thinking about all these things and all these, you know, different things that happened in my life to lead me to this point. And I, I was really thinking about it. And anyway, after church, he asked me if I had a Bible. And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> this is a little green one, if that counts. And he says, uh, he says yeah, he said, read John chapter one, 1 through 3. And uh, so a couple nights later, uh, during a party filled with beer and girls, I, I didn't party. I didn't feel like being at. I went up to my cubby hole and I found this little green Bible. And on April third, nineteen eighty four, I read John chapters one through three. And by the time I got to chapter three, I'd given my life to Christ. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. So the thing is, um, I finally realized on that day, I finally realized that no matter how good I was in high school, it was never going to be good enough to get me into heaven. But what I saw that night in John chapter 3 was that no matter how bad I was in college, it was never going to be bad enough to send me to hell. But if I didn't make it to heaven, it was for one reason. And that was because I had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God period. And that's the message I want to get out to people. You're not going to hell for all the things that you think you're going to hell for. There's only one thing keeping us out, right? And for me, I don't know if it was Steve's invitation or Scott's apologetics or the Gideon confrontation or Mike's testimonies or my mom's example of service. It was all of them. Exactly, Alex. Yeah, it was all of them. They were seeds. They were watering those seeds. But God brought the fruit. All right. So that's, that's what I want to share. Um, evangelism. That's what it's all about. And it means, it might not mean exactly what you th thought it meant, but I think we can all practice evangelism in one of these ways uh, because people need it. There are people out there that need what I needed, what you needed. All right? And, and we're the guys. I think Adrian's going to come up and share a couple testimonies. Is that right? All right. Thank you. morning. This place looks packed now. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm an introvert, but when it comes to Jesus, I'm an extrovert. Um, I, later on, I was called the things that I did out in public with people, it was called evangelism. Before that, I never thought about it that way. Um, my thought was whenever you pray for someone, it's an act of war, and I wanted revenge on the devil because my friend died of cancer. 
And, I, and my conclusion was, if you pray for someone and they get free, they get healed, you're taking back territory for the kingdom. So I'm just going to run through a few here. Um, I, once I came to the conclusion of that, I was like, I'm going to pray for as many people as I can. Like, I don't care what people think about me in the church, outside of the church. I'm going for it because I want revenge for my friend Danny. Now, m that may be unhealthy, <laughs> but that was the beginning, and it brought me into growing spiritually into knowing more truth. So, yeah, here recently, um, Brian Lambertson was preaching at about six different church in churches in Muncie, and two hours before he was to preach, um, we decided to go out and just invite people to church. So we're literally going from door to door saying, hey, we're a church group. We're inviting you to church. It's going on tonight at 6.30. And after they said no or after they said, I'll see if I can go, we say, listen, can we pray for you? So me and my son and a friend were part of this three group. We were walking down the street doing this one day. And we see this car. And there's two guys in the car. And they're smoking marijuana. <laughs> And one guy, the guy in the passenger seat, sat back, and he's blowing circles in the air of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and I've learned when you approach a car like that, you have to let him see your hands. So <laughs> I'm walking towards the car with a little pamphlet in my hand, and I'm like, hey, can you roll down your window? I want to give you something. And they're looking at us, and they start laughing. And I'm thinking, I'm glad they're laughing because they both have guns. <laughs> so. <laughs> So finally, the guy rolls down his window, and I said, listen, we're part of a church group. We're just inviting people to church. Here's a list of churches. We just want you to go. And I said, can I give this to you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So he takes it, and I said, and can I pray for you? And he looks at me, and I'm like, listen, your mom, there's a lot of stuff about you she appreciates, but she doesn't really talk about it. She talks about the other stuff. Am I right? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, listen, she also prays for you, and I'm going to pray for you now. So I prayed for him, got to say a few other things to him, and his friend is looking at him like, this is incredible. So I said thank you, shook his hand, and as I'm walking away, the other lady in our group walks up, and she has a word for the other guy in the passenger seat. Their buzz was gone after that. <laughs> They're just like, oh, goodness. So we're walking down the street, and we look back, and I found this to be true. It's when you leave that the other shoe drops, and they realize you're not here to get anything from me. You're here just to give. And that right there is an aspect of love, which is an aspect of God, and we're known by love. So another one. Um, let's see. My kids, my kids, are they're always asking me, hey, let's go out and pray for people. Let's go pray for people. And I feel very blessed because they see it in that light. It's exciting for them. So I made the mistake. I took them to the bus station. The bus station is not really the place you want to get started at. <laughs> <laughs> so we're walking around, and there's like four or five people sitting on this bench. They're just like ganged up on this bench. And we're walking by and somebody yells at Pierce and Pierce really didn't hear him so they keep walking. And I backed up and I said, hey, how's it going? Silence. Where are you guys coming from? Silence. Where are you guys going? Home. I said, well, listen, can I encourage you? And one girl said, what does that look like? I said, well, you guys have goals and dreams, right? And they're like, yeah, we have goals and dreams. I said, well, let me encourage you and I'll tell you what your goals and dreams are. And they said, okay. I've learned this. You trust in Jesus. You jump off the cliff, because that's what it feels like. And he catches you right before you hit the bottom. <laughs> so I know I got a word. I know God has a word for him. I don't, but I know he does. So I'll say, can I encourage you? I, I want to share something with you. And they're like, yeah, what is it? And I'm like, Jesus, what is it? <laughs> Help. <laughs> so <laughs> I walk up to this girl, and as I'm walking to her, I see 
she doesn't have any makeup on. She's got drab clothing on, and I see her doing makeup and advising people on getting clothes. So I said, listen, you like to help people pick out clothes. You like to help people with their makeup. You want to go into, like, fashion design, don't you? And she's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and then I turn to the kid sitting on the – he's sitting up, and I'm like, is it soccer or basketball that you want to be professional at? And then God showed me his name, Daniel, and – then there was another girl, and God showed me her name, and I told her her name, and she ran away. <laughs> so, and I keep, ta I'm talking to everybody, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. The kids are seeing this. This is really good. This lady brings back somebody. And it's like, she wants a word, too, so I got to give her a word. But here's the whole point. It's like you demonstrate the power of God, and then you explain the gospel. For the kingdom is nigh unto you, and the kingdom is shown by somebody being obedient. I'm nobody special, and just speaking it out. So um, she brings this girl back, and she's like, yeah, well, what's my name? I'm like, Danielle, isn't it? And she goes, and she just <laughs> runs away. <laughs> so, and I'm like, I said, listen, God wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with each and every single one of you. And I was just about to share the gospel. I was ready. <sighs> but the bus pulls up, and they get off the bench, and they run onto the bus, and they look at me, and they're like, this is just amazing. And they get on the bus. And Rob was right. We seed and water, and God gives the increase. Yeah. It's even when you mess up, you're seeding and watering. Yeah. Like, let's see. Yeah, I'm in Indianapolis, and I'm like, I love treasure hunts because you ask God to give you clues for his treasures. People are his treasures. This is the treasure he talks about. Like, don't store up um, riches on earth where moss and rust do corrupt, but store up treasures in heaven. Those treasures are s souls. So, um, uh, you write down, you ask him what are your treasures, and he gives you locations, injuries, miscellaneous things, clothing, things like that. So I wrote up this whole list. I'm with my friend um, and her friend. We went to Indianapolis to kind of take her friend out because she's from out of town. We went to the Hard Rock Cafe, and then we were walking around on a circle. And I'm like, hey, I got this list, and I'm going to pray for some people. And her friend is like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like all excited. And I find a clue. So I run up to the person, I talk to him, I pray for him, and I find another clue. And then she's like, what's on your list? So she's like, oh, there's a person over there. There's so I'm, she's sending me to people because she's finding clues. So she has my list now, and I'm walking around just praying for people. So um, we've, there is a clue on the list that was a golden necklace. And she points and says, there's the girl with the golden necklace. And it was like from me to the back of the church, and the girl and her boyfriend saw that. So I go to walk up to him, and the boyfriend goes, get away from us. We're not interested. And I'm like, but? He's like, no, man, no, get away from us. So I'm like, okay. So I walk away. And here's the thing. I'm coming to them from God in my mind. That's where I'm at. Like, it's not about me. It's about him. And if I make it all about him, he lives in me, so it's all about me. And I want them to have an encounter with him, not me. So if I get all angry or, oh, I can't believe they did that, blah, blah, blah. That's all about me, right? And then it proves that I have an agenda. So I'm like, okay, it's cool. Just walk away. And so right after that, we sat down on the concrete by the waterfall at the Soldiers Monument Circle Center, and this lady is walking up very gently. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? She's like, oh, I've had a long day. What's going on? Oh, my hip hurts really bad. Well, hey, can, can I pray for you? People, when they look in your eyes, they see your soul. They may not realize that, but they it's almost like unconsciously they know if they can trust you or not. 
and if your eye is single and it's on him, then your body's full of light. And when people look in your eyes, they could see that light. So I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? And she's, I'm sincere. And she's like, oh, sure, honey, you can pray for me. So lay our hands on her hip. In the name of Jesus, we speak to that hip. We tell the pain to go right now. Now test it out. And she's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like she's like really excited. And she's like jumping up and down, praising the Lord. And there's about, I'd say, 150 people around the circle just walking. And most of them stopped and just looked at her. And she's like, praise God, praise the Lord. You are so mighty. And I'm just like, this is a woman of God. This is awesome. <laughs> yes. So um, let's see. Walk in love. I have a friend. His name is Kent. And um, he's a real tall dude. And he's really bold, too. And I'm just like, God, I just want to be bold. Like, I just because, man, this dude will he'll talk to anybody. He'll talk to anything. He'll preach the gospel to everybody. So we are uh, we get in a car at night and we're like, where should we go? Because we decided on Thursday at 830 at night, we were just going to go out and pray for people. No matter what that looks like, we're just going to do it. And the purpose of this is not so you can keep having these events. It's because it comes down to when you're grocery shopping and you see someone with a backache at Aldi's and you're like, how's your day? And they're like, horrible. What's wrong? Well, my back hurts. Well, let's pray. It's things like that. It's in your daily life when you're going about doing what you're doing. The Lord is always on your mind and his testimony is always there. And, and you're able to pray for anybody at any time in season or out of season. So um, where was I? Yeah. So we meet and we're like, where should we go? And he's like, let's go to Cirilla's. And I'm like, okay, how does that look? <laughs> so we go through the door and he's like, hey, we just want to share the love of Jesus with you today. And I'm like, he's saying that. <laughs> and the lady behind the registers was like, well, I don't think you realize where you are. I'm not a Christian. I'm not really interested. He's like, oh, that's cool. We just want to bless you. Just we just want to honor you. Can we can we just speak over you right now? And she's like, OK, go ahead. So she's sitting there and he's just like, we just thank you that she's your daughter, that you love her, that her life will be manifested in a good way. Like there will be increased income. Like he just blessed her. Everything he said was uplifting, encouraging, and it was meant to bring her closer to God. And she looked at us and said, well, thank you. Thank you a lot. Thank you very much. And she's like about to cry because it's now when the words are sinking in. Like, we didn't want anything. We just wanted to bless her. And we're saying, well, you're welcome. And we left. That right there. A lot of times people, even if they spit on you, even if they cuss at you, they go home and they sit down and they say things to the effect of God, if you're real. Or God, I want to know you more. Or they pick up their Bible and they read it. Like, you guys don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It may look like people are stonewalling you, don't want to hear it, blah, blah, blah. But it's in their private place that they see the Lord, that they reflect back on that incident and they know God is real. I was at a uh, check and go. I was paying a bill. This was years ago. And um, I'm in there and this guy comes in and he's drunk. He's like wavering. And I turn to him and I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, I'm all right. I'm like, listen, can I pray for you? And he's like, no. And his friend comes in and he they are arguing and he's I noticed the guy had a limp. And I said, um, can I pray for your leg? And he's like, no, man. I, I said, no. And I'm like, OK. He goes, you better let his friend says you better let him pray for your your leg. Should have been standing in the street. The guy got hit by a car standing in the street. And his friend is like ruthless about it, just teasing him about it. And 
they're arguing back and forth and it's getting pretty bad. And here's me saying, just dude, just let me pray for you. Like Jesus loves you so much. I know. Just let me pray. He'll heal you right now. And he's like, no, man, no. So we go outside. And I said, listen, God loves you so much. He loves you just as much as you love your eight year old son. And he just starts crying. He's like, how do you know that? It's because God loves each and every single one of us. And he knows everything about us. And we have a thing going on with him, right? We have a relationship with him. And he'll tell you everything about everybody, anything about anybody. And it's in love. It's because he loves them so much. So I said this to that guy, and the guy's like, yeah, you can pray for me. And he's running away. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, what's your name? My name is Craig. And he keeps running away. But it's, Paul said this, I didn't come to you with the eloquence of speech. I came to you demonstrating the power of God so that your faith will be in God and not in man. And I think when we're just in life, there's people that you can demonstrate the power of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And when he came, he came with all the gifts. So if you're a believer, you can prophesy. You can perceive people's thoughts. You can, you can speak over people and they'll be healed. You call those things that be not as though they were. You have access to all of this. Now, the people who are strong in those things, they call them gifts. But everybody, everybody has access to this. I'm nobody special. Um, am I done here? Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Whoever's next. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So we're all called to evangelize, aren't we? Did, did uh, one of those evangelism styles resonate with everybody in here? I'm sure if you think about it and pray about it and read over it again, it probably will. So sharing the good news involves planting seeds, watering seeds, or harvest. We must listen to the Holy Spirit to know what the person in our path needs. Planting seeds involves capturing one's heart by saying yes and hearing heaven about them through a word of knowledge or a word of encouragement and will quickly get someone's attention. You heard that testimony, the testimonies by Adrian. Very encouraging. Watering a seed that is already present is accomplished by working where the Lord is working already. When a soul harvesting appears imminent, Holy Spirit will give you discernment and ask someone if they're ready to make Christ their Lord and Savior. We have to hear from Holy Spirit in those moments. It's so important. Jesus said, people will know we are his disciples by how we love one another. We have the DNA to evangelize and to pour love onto others because the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Isn't that good? We must offer so much love, it shocks people. Man, that's exactly what Adrian does, man. He loves people so much because he's so connected to Christ, man, that he just wants to pour the love he receives from the Lord out on them. And he wants them to have a relationship with Christ, man. Thanks, Adrian, for what you do. We can do things to be relevant and relate to the masses as well, but the gospel of Jesus is truly revolutionary. Remember, what is powerful to you is powerful through you. All right, I'm going to say that one more time. Remember, what is powerful to you is powerful through you. Acts 26, verses 16 through 18. But now up on your feet... 
I have a job for you. I've handpicked you to be a servant and a witness to what's happened today and to what I'm, go- what I'm going to show you. I'm sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between dark and light, to choose the light, see the difference between Satan and God, and choose God. I'm sending you off to, represent, to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place in the family, inviting them into the company of those who begin real living by believing in me. And that was the message translation. So, evangelism. It's overflowing. When we're so full of joy about Jesus, we cannot help but let the good news pour out of us. And freedom becomes a reality through that. Psalm 1611 speaks to this. It is like a bucket filled with water and running over. It's, it is spontaneous and natural rather than forced. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, that our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. The word is plephoria in the Greek in New Testament, and it speaks of full assurance, firm conviction, and confident overflow. This is a branch of life that John, in John 15. If we abide in the vine, God will produce the fruit on the branch. Right? It's up to us to share our testimony, and God brings the fruit. Evangelism is filling. The powerful 19th century preacher C.H. Spurgeon said, Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. (laughs) There are several takeaways from this definition. The evangelist is no better than the one seeking to win one to Jesus. It speaks of the needs of the lost man and the generosity of the evangelist. These words remind us, that the ground is level at the cross. All people are soul hungry for the bread of life, and we are to feed, and we are in the business of telling others how to be filled. Evangelism is all-encompassing. Archbishop William Temple gives a clear pointed definition in that evangelism is to present Jesus Christ in the power of of the Holy Spirit, that men shall come to put their trust in God through Him, to accept Him as their Savior, and serve Him as King in the fellowship of the church. So Jesus is our message, right? The work of evangelism depends on the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit. Evangelism is not a work of isolation. We do it together. New believers need to be incorporated into church. That's important that we all plug into a body. We are all part of a body. Conversion is bowing to Jesus as King and Lord. We're not making decisions, but disciples. Sharing the good news merely thrusts open the door for discipleship. Am I right, Alex? I'm going to end this with a challenge if you want to go ahead and put on some music, Chris. I hope and pray the seed being planted in the fertile ground of your heart has inspired you and called you to action. 
we have a wonderful opportunity to reflect the glory of Christ and share the good news with hundreds of people coming up at our fireworks celebration on Memorial Day at Memorial Park on July 14th. It's a great opportunity for all of us to engage. But it's only the beginning. I'm going to leave everybody with a challenge. In my opinion, relational evangelism is one of the easiest. In fact, I'm willing to bet that we all, and I mean all of us, have a relationship with someone that we know and love and care about, whether it's a family member or friend, but they don't know Christ. And if you think about that for a minute, this is kind of heartbreaking. It doesn't have to be that way. We have the good news inside of us. We have a testimony to share. That's why we're all here. Personally, I am not willing to let someone I love live a life blinded by the God of this world. I am not willing to allow someone I love to experience an eternity apart from Christ because I was too busy and unwilling to make time to share the most important thing to me. The good news of the gospel. As a wise man said one time, it is only the good news if it arrives in time. In all of our activity and ministry and doing the work of Jesus, as Christians, we must never forget the message of good news that ultimately brings hope in Christ and Christ alone. Do all bow your heads. Dear Lord, I thank you that you've called us to be an army to a hurting world around us, Lord. And you've encouraged us through these testimonies, these methods of evangelizing, Lord, and this truth. We say thank you for an opportunity to share good news with a hurting world around us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would, there would be an excitement that would rise up in us for the gospel. An excitement that we could convey through the freedom that we have received. And sharing the testimony of what you have done in our lives, Lord. Lord, in whatever form of evangelism that may be, Lord, that we would decide that we are going to share the gospel in order to increase your kingdom because of what you've done for us, Lord.
I just thank you for this amazing time of sharing, Lord, and encouraging. I just pray these seeds get the water they need. Lord, I pray it would spring up life in our hearts and that we would go forth from this place as an army to share good news with the lost people in our town and in our region. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You guys enjoy. Amen. You guys enjoy the holiday. Um, did want to say one thing. Uh, we're going to be having a class uh, in the fall uh, to take people deeper, and it's an invite for everyone, not if you just feel uh, a strong call of evangelism, but it's for everyone, definitely. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, we're going to in the process of putting that together, so that will be offered in the fall. Amen. Thank you.